Have you heard of fractional real estate? The first comment I got on that thread when I shared that with my sphere is, Nick, how is that any different than a timeshare? Join us this week on Beyond Real Estate. And in our real estate roundup, we've got a guest here this week, Austin, who can better dive deeper into this subject. So join us. Stay tuned after this brief intro. Welcome to Beyond Real Estate with Jalik, the podcast discussing parenting, real estate, and business. Every week we go in depth on how to become successful in life and business. Nick, take it away. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another week of Beyond Real Estate. This is our real estate roundup section. And this week we have Austin joining us. And Austin, can you explain to our audience what it is that you do exactly and dive into this topic of fractional real estate because I know it's a newer industry. Yeah, sure. I'm the community investments manager with ReAlpha and ReAlpha is a real estate tech startup based out of Columbus, Ohio, in which we're raising capital right now to go out and acquire properties that'll be used for short-term rentals via Airbnb. And then in the second phase of all this, we'll actually list those properties on our mobile app and we'll syndicate them out for fractional ownership. So Really what our business model is centered around is lowering the barriers to entry, making real estate more accessible, more affordable for the masses. 56% of Americans don't even have $1,000 in their bank account. And that number hit home for us where we thought, how can we fractionalize it and make it more accessible for more people to actually enter into real estate and earn passive income? That's brilliant. A brilliant model. Can you answer that first comment that I got on my thread, which is, it was an anonymous comment, of course, but it was like, you're an idiot, bro, because that's why people have timeshares. So I know that it's not, but for the individual, it's like, yeah, how is it different? Can you explain yeah, that a little yeah, bit? It's definitely not a timeshare. I think timeshare gets thrown around passively of, ooh, that's a that's an iffy investment. No, this is a syndication. So when you're investing into the properties, you're investing as a fractional owner. So if you broke up, let's say it's a $100,000 property and you broke it up to into 100 shares, you'd invest $1,000 and you'd own 1% of that individual property. So based upon any free cash flow that's available, after all expenses are taken out, you're going to get paid out in quarterly dividends. And then you're also going to benefit on any equity appreciation value of that property. For instance, if we were to refinance that property and pull the cash out, you're going to benefit the exact same way you would if you were investing in putting your 20% down payment or whatever that might be. And so when someone's saying 1%, is that generally what you're seeing is a, a more popular form or is it you can, how much can you own and how little do you have to put in? Is there a max versus minimum on these generally? Yeah, good question. And again, this is twofold, right? So an investment today would be into the company level. So if you're investing today, it's a minimum of $1,000 at $10 a share, we'll close this round on December the 8th. And then after we close that round is when we'll start to scale up our portfolio. And then once we buy the properties, we'll list them on our mobile app and syndicate them. So to break that down a little bit from the syndication standpoint, if you're looking for a passive income investment, let's say it's a $100,000 property, we'll put 20% down on that property. So $20,000, we'll own and maintain 51% and then syndicate the remaining 49. So. In that scenario, we would invest $10,000, own 51%, syndicate the remaining $10,000. So if there's four syndicates in that scenario, they would each invest $2,500 and they would own and maintain 12 and a quarter percent of that individual. So that's just a, an example. We Once we actually start syndicating these properties, there will be a better idea as to how many shares will be available at the individual property basis. Okay. I think here's an interesting one. I literally just came across it before this podcast time. 
and I was on another online meeting with crypto, real estate, metaverse, NFTs, and they were talking about <laughs> this space and how helped us create new opportunities that just didn't exist prior to. I think fractional real estate fits in that mold and how technology and again, just this day and age is able to facilitate more opportunities, more specific to housing, how in, pro in the past we've always built on debt, right? And how do I leverage my debt? And now fractional real estate isn't, you don't necessarily have to go in debt. If you have five grand in your bank account, job done, and now you've become a partial homeowner. Thoughts on that, Austin, with regards to facilitating that? Yeah, I think, I think especially with the crypto space and NFTs, that's something networking at. We're not there yet just because it is relatively new. I know crypto has been around for what? 13, 14, 14 years now, yep. but that is something that we're exploring, but not in the position to actually move forward with something like that just yet. So on, on some of the things that generally people will, when it comes to owning a fraction of a piece of real estate, they'll say, hey, now I technically own that property. So say I'm not a homeowner yet. And so now I have, I own a home. And so when I check that little box, there goes all of my first time home buyer benefits of better interest rates, lower down payment without having to worry about having those higher interest rates. Is that a, should that be a concern for anyone that hasn't owned a home yet? And so maybe hold off on going down this road just because you have that five grand in the bank? Or is this still a viable option if they're saying, hey, I already have an investment portfolio. I just want to broaden it. Yeah, I think, I think if you're looking to diversify, this is a good way to get your feet wet, especially in the real estate side of things. Me personally look at real estate not necessarily a passive income investment, but one that comes with a lot of challenges as well. But I do think it is a good viable investment, right? So from an investment standpoint, we looked at it from the lens of, do you wanna manage the property? How do you know which property to source? We take care of all that in-house, so we streamline it for the end user. And if you're looking to dip your toes into real estate, especially from a vacation rental perspective, I think this is a viable way to, to get started. Absolutely. And I think just to piggyback on my prior comment and question, really, it's, it's it offers the ability to scale, right? And it offers people to multiply their investment as we we're just touching on and not just say, hey, I'm going all in on this one house in this one state. I can dip my toe a little bit. So I think that's a fascinating aspect that not a lot of people probably had the opportunity again to do prior to. And now that you have the opportunity to fractionalize your, your decisions and your investments, again, things that we're able to do that's redefining this space, I feel like a bit. And I think it, it's for the better, to be honest. Jay, did you have any other questions pertaining to first-time buyers? Because I think this is right up there, Ali. Yeah, I think it, the other question I would have is what other states or who's able to buy into it and where are these properties located? I think a lot of people like to make sure that they're with some of the past guests we've had too, they've encouraged, know the market that you're investing in. Don't just go and buy a deal because it's a quote unquote good deal. When someone has those concerns, how do you address them or what's your rebuttal to that with this form of investing? Yeah, so most of our properties are in the Florida market. So just outside of Orlando. So when we're actually sourcing properties, we use artificial intelligence combined with our own internal acquisitions team. So we're not fully reliant upon the technology to actually make these decisions for us. Basically what it's doing is it's taking about 28 different key metrics. So it could be distance to a Starbucks. It could be occupancy rate for existing Airbnbs. It could be crime rate, school district. It'll factor all those metrics together and then score it. So from that point forward, it'll move to our own internal acquisitions team 
where we determine, okay, this is a viable property. We look around the surrounding area to see what other properties are doing that are listed on Airbnb currently. Then we'll decide, okay, let's move forward or let's pass on this property. So I mentioned right now our properties are just outside of Orlando. We have plans to scale across the United States. So looking at California, Texas, there's a multitude of different areas around the U.S. we're looking at, but eventually we do plan to go global. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and presumably, I don't know if you guys ever watched King of the Hill. There was a whole thing. There was a whole episode about a timeshare in, in Mexico. And I know this is not a timeshare, but it was, the whole shtick of it was non-Mexican residents cannot own land in Mexico. So I'm sure that's a hurdle that y'all will be facing of these countries with these interesting, weird, intricate laws and either finding ways to work around them or work with them. But how quickly does that expansion look like here in America where it is a little bit more straightforward and not as windy road as that King of the Hill plot? Yeah, I think so by next year, we're projecting about 275 assets under management. Okay. We recently closed a $200 million debt facility with Churchill Real Estate. So that's a big deal for us. And we also brought on president of Rialpha Homes, George Altacoa. He has experience scaling out large portfolios. So he came from Invitation Homes. And if you've done a little due diligence on Invitation Homes, they scaled from zero to 80,000 properties in about eight years. I believe he managed about a billion dollar portfolio with them. So with his expertise, as well as the Churchill deal, we do think that we can scale out pretty quickly by next year. And those are some pretty reputable names there with Churchill. That's Dave Ramsey's guys. Those are that's anyone that's worried about the crazy investing of you got to have all your ducks in a row. It's Dave Ramsey's mortgage guys don't think so. They're like, hey, you got to get in this game quick. So they put their money where their mouth is. In terms of identifying houses, are these off market houses that the AI is identifying to be like, hey, that's not a for sale, but let's test the waters here. Or is it homes that are on the market that it's identifying? A little bit of both. Our initial model was to do essentially the Burr method. So we buy an undervalued property, renovate it, rent it out, and then refinance repeat. That was extremely capital intensive. So initially we were going through the wholesale. Now we're looking at more rent ready. So we are working with realtors in the localized markets. We're going your standard route of looking at Zillow and realtor.com, what have you. So there's a multitude of things that we are doing, but our basically our AI is just targeting and figuring out, okay, which location do we want to go to? And then from there, zeroing in on the homes that are available, whether they're on market or off market. And so I you touched on something that I thought was interesting. So the AI is looking at proximity to Starbucks, for instance. Can you share with us some other, you don't have to share, it's the whole secret sauce, but some of the other things that a, the AI model looks at when it comes to, hey, this house is good, or yeah, stay away from this one, even though maybe an outside investor would say, that's perfect. But yeah, the AI is not going to be entirely correct. So we don't yeah. fully rely upon that. But if we're targeting three bed, three bath homes, it's going to eliminate half of the homes that that otherwise would have been there, right? Sure. There's about 28 different ones in there. Man, Starbucks, crime rate, school district. There's a multitude of different ones. Okay. Yeah. The Starbucks one seemed like a, oh, wow. They're, they're, they're half a block away from a super target versus just a regular target. So this one gets a half a point deduction for it's just a regular target. Or Yeah. And we yeah. have to joke <laughs> about the Starbucks one, but that's also true. Yeah. That's fair. You, you don't see Starbucks is going in, in a super low income or high crime rate areas. So it's a right. interesting model that 
most people don't think of. Nick, what do you got? I think I've asked all my fun questions. Justin, with you being a newer company, is there anything that you feel like you want to shoot, shout from the rooftops to say, guys, you need to know this because this is coming or this is a great opportunity. Anything that we haven't touched on yet? We do have some announcements that we're really excited about. We can't publicly announce them just yet, but continue to follow us. Again, we'll close our round December the 8th, but in the next three weeks, we have some exciting announcements that, that we like to propose out there. So just stay tuned. That's all I can really say. <laughs> awesome. We'll leave it on that. When I don't know, we've intrigued some of our listeners. Yeah, I need to know more. How do they find Realpha? Where do they go? Yep. So you can either type in realpha.com or if you'd like to become an investor, it's both open to accredited and not accredited investors. So again, the investment minimum is $1,000. So you can go online either through realpha.com or invest.realpha.com and find us there. There you go. So guys, bunch of takeaways in this one. I think a very interesting one, especially for you first time home buyers out there that might be feel like you're hitting your head against the wall saying, I'm never going to break into this housing market. I think again, just creates another option. Not saying you have to do it, but it, it makes it more affordable. That's for dang sure. So thank you for joining us on this week for Beyond Real Estate, for our real estate roundup section. Stay tuned for our Friday segment. So until next week, this is this week. Checking out for now. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more of Jalen McKenna, Colorado's mortgage dad, and his take on the Colorado real estate market or just mortgages and mortgage news in general, check out the links below. Also, check out the links below for more information on products, books, or references made in this podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and share.